Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. John chapter 19. We've been going through this series called Seven. Somebody say seven. Seven. And we've been looking at seven statements, seven phrases that Jesus said on the cross. All four gospels, they tell us that Jesus said these words, the last words. If you count them all between all four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that it was seven statements that he said all together on the cross. And we've talked about the first five. We're going to cover six today. We're going to finish Sunday on Easter Sunday with number seven. And I think it's going to be glorious. We're going to look at the sixth one here. Go down to verse 28. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screens. The word of the Lord says this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Come on, can we say that together? It is is finished the sixth statement that Jesus says the words the sixth phrase that he says is it is finished let's talk about this what did Jesus mean when he said this right before he died I believe it's going to be helpful for us tonight for our family watching online I really believe that as we look at Jesus and hear Jesus in our spirit and our soul I believe we're going to leave out of here better than how we came in it is finished come on let's pray let's talk about Jesus and then we'll worship and take communion together let's pray father we thank you for tonight thank you for this beautiful family here gathered across multiple locations online thank you for your spirit that I believe is here thank you for that beautiful time of worship where we sing to King Jesus God we know that today was a Friday where he gave up his life but we know Sunday is coming and father we're so thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus help us to look at these words words that came out of your mouth and help us to meditate on them and let them be life to our soul tonight we thank you and we love you and it is in that name of Jesus that all of God's people say come on all of God's people say can we make some noise for Jesus one more time come on I think A night like tonight where we call it Good Friday and where we see depictions, pictures, movies about it, it can seem like this was a homicide scene. It can seem like this was a murder. It was absolutely horrible. It was terrible. But as we look at the entire scope of scripture, we realize this was no accident but this was a choice of Jesus. In fact, in the Gospels, he says, nobody takes my life, I lay it down. Nobody murdered Jesus. He decided to give up his life for me and for you. 
The choice that Jesus did gave us the results that you and I needed. We needed a move. We needed a savior. We needed a redeemer. We needed a rescuer. And so Jesus made the choice that brought us today the results we needed. Because every choice we make will give us results in our life. Have you ever made bad choices in your life? You ever made some bad choices across? Are you sitting next to a bad choice tonight? Don't, 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 don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. But have you ever made a bad choice? Some of you are like, I, I made a bad choice coming here tonight. No, I don't think so. I think you are in the right place. But I, I think we've all made bad choices. I think we've all messed up. And, and, and the choices we make today will shape our tomorrow. What are we choose? What are we making? Some of you, if you've been here for a number of years, you know how much we hate frogs. I, am, I, I, I panic at frogs. And we made a choice a few weeks ago to leave the sliding glass door open for too long. And can I tell you, we found a living frog in my living room this past week. And it gets worse. Two days later, we found a second living demon in my living room. Because the choices we make will get us the results we're living in. What choices are we going through today? It's hard to make good choices when we have sick hearts. Let's talk for the heart, about the heart for a moment because every single human being has a heart and our hearts make us make bad things, bad choices. We choose wrong, we do wrong, we think wrong because the problem is the human heart. It's not that we are good on the outside. That's awesome that we care for our neighbor and love the person we're sitting next to and that we're kind. We should be. But deep down inside, there's a heart inside of us and it was born in sin and that sinful heart makes us do wrong, think wrong, and makes us offend God. The prophet Jeremiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, look where he writes in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things desperately sick who can understand it wow wicked desperately in the greek and the hebrew it literally means incurable with a terminal illness wow and that illness is sin and every single one of us we deal with this that's why jesus speaking in the book of matthew matthew chapter 15 verses 19 and 20 he says for it's out of the heart that comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. In other words, it's not the outside that makes us bad. It's the inside. And every single one of us on the inside, we got sinful hearts. And we're not playing a measuring game on who has a more sinful heart than the other. All of us at the end of the day are sinners author Max Lucado he says this the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart what can we do to fix it it's every single one of us we all have a heart that is born in sin that makes us choose wrong and our choices from our sick heart give us bad results and we're living in the results of our choices that come from this desperately wicked heart and we're living today, and our world is living today in those results. You can look at the news station, you turn around through every magazine or social media feed, and you will see results of this wicked, desperately wicked heart, the one that has a terrible illness, and we see that it has ravaged our world. 
It has decimated our minds. It is polluting our climate. And I'm not just talking about on the outside. I'm talking about on the inside. Polluted minds, polluted spirits, polluted souls. It is sin. And it is robbing people from everything that God wants to do in their life. In fact, I'll put it this way. The result of sin, it actually causes a life restricted by sin. The result of our sin choices It leaves us with a life that is restricted. We've been robbed. We've been reduced because sin, it is a thief, an intruder, and it will come into my life and your life. And when we make these bad choices, it will come and it will destroy all that God has for us. It will rob you of your destiny. It will rob you of blessings. It will rob you of the purposes and plans that God has for us. That's why we look today, and it doesn't matter if it's North America, South America, Africa, Asia, Europe, any continent, any country. It is full of human beings with sinful hearts and we've been robbed we're not living to our full potential for everything that God has for humanity because it's the problem of the human heart are you following me every single one of us we lie we cheat we steal we gossip we murmur we complain we talk about one another and it is robbing us some of us in here today or watching online your life has been stolen from you and you feel like you're living a reduced life For some of you, it's completely ravaged your marriage, your relationships. It's destroyed the relationship with you and your children or your parents. It's destroyed dreams. Sin comes and it's never personal. We make choices that affect every single relationship in our life. And it has destroyed all kinds of relationships. Sin comes and the first relationship it destroys is our relationship with God than our relationship with people. And some of you in here, you're on the other side of a bad choice and you're living in these results. And you're saying, I need an answer because I'm tired of living with this reduced life, diminished life. I'm not walking in my purpose, in my potential, in my call. I'm still lost. I'm still confused. And this is why it's a good Friday because we needed an answer. We needed a savior. We needed a redeemer. And on good Friday, we remember that the only one that can save us, it wasn't ourselves but it was King Jesus. Come on, he's the only one. He's the only answer, and he came to make us new. Can I get an amen? Amen. In fact, I put it this way. The work on the cross results in the freedom of life. Today, we're remembering the cross because what Jesus accomplished on the cross, oh, it brought us back life. It brought us back health to our soul, to our mind, to our spirit. In fact, somebody, if you're here tonight and you're going through emotional pain, mental pain, can I tell you, Jesus, he's a healer. Jesus, he's a savior. Jesus, he is the solution. Come on, church. Anybody thankful for Jesus tonight? We open to the book of John. By the way, John was one of Jesus' closest friends. And so we're opening up to a gospel of somebody who walked with Jesus and lived with Jesus and talked with Jesus. They were best friends. And if anybody was there, it was John. And John loved Jesus. This was his friend, brother from another mother. And John gives us details on the life of Jesus that you should read. It's, it's an actually a beautiful, beautiful gospel, my favorite one. And John is giving us all these details of what Jesus says on the cross. We're looking at Jesus hanging on the cross. I think it's important that we look at Jesus hanging on the cross. I grew up in a Christian home. I've been in church my whole life. I've seen it all. McGee and me, veggie tales, all kind of everything. I grew up in church. 
but, but I, I think we always rush to Easter Sunday and the empty cross and the empty grave and we celebrate that we're going to throw a party Sunday we're going to throw a party in here because Jesus he is alive but, but I think it's good for the soul to look at Jesus on the cross I've actually been listening to these podcasts and some are by Christian evangelicals some are by some Catholic priests and some other ones are from some monks and I've been listening to them over the past year and they've all been talking about how we should meditate and picture Jesus on the cross it's good for the soul what it means to die on the cross because that's you and I that's the life that he calls us to live that usually doesn't get a whole lot of amens because we, we want the celebration out of the tomb life and we do have that but it also means we, we, we must die to ourselves and when we die to ourselves we will rise in Christ but we should look at the cross and and I think it's beautiful to look at the cross and imagine and we try to see the depictions and the movies and the scenes and Jesus hanging and it was not a good Friday for him it's a good Friday for us, but not for him. The Bible says he was broken for us. Literally with this weapon that they had called the cat of nine tails. They would land it on his back and then rip the skin off his back. They would lash him, open him up. They put a crown of thorns on his head. As he started to drip blood, he was already sweating and soon he would be nearly close to dehydrating. They would throw him on a Roman cross, put nine-inch nails through each one of his hands. Jesus suffered brutally for me and for you. And as we look at this scene, we should look at it. It's good to look at it. It's a picture, and I know it's hard. And if some of us, if we try to watch movies that depict it, we, at times we have to look away because it's too gruesome, it's too hard. But we should look at it because this is what our sin does. Our sin, the results are destructive. The results of our sin are gruesome. And this is what my sin caused. As we have been looking at the cross for the last several weeks, we have seen that Jesus on that cross said seven phrases. Seven last words. You ever heard the term famous last words? That's what we've been studying from Jesus. Jesus' famous last words. We started a few weeks ago and we saw that when Jesus was being nailed to the cross, the first thing that he said was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he gave us a word of forgiveness. What a beautiful word that we should learn how to forgive. Then as he's hanging on the cross and they're mocking him and they're making fun of him, one of the criminals says, remember me today. And he looks over and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a word of assurance. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful word. Jesus, as he's there agonizing on the cross, dehydrated, his tongue sticking to the top of his mouth, covered in blood, naked and ashamed. He cries out the third one and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? And we realize that he had not been forsaken, but he was just quoting from the book of Psalms and he gives us a word of comfort. Anybody thankful that in our hard times, Jesus knows that we'll be comforted. Then after that, we see that Jesus, he looks at the woman that's down, which is his actual mother. And he says, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. Jesus is now speaking to what was his earthly mom. 
And he says, hey, you can now trust the person that is next to you, that they'll comfort you and they'll be with you. We saw that Jesus on the cross, he also says, I thirst. And we read it once again today. And we see that there, the only one that can satisfy us is God. And Jesus is saying, I'm the living water. And if you drink from me, you will never be thirsty again. And then we get to the point where right before he dies, he says, it is finished. And he's already given us words of assurance, words of comfort, words of forgiveness, words of satisfaction. What does it is finished mean? Can I tell you, it's a word of victory. Oh, tonight we're looking at a word of victory. Somebody say victory. victory. Notice that Jesus didn't say, I am finished. Jesus wasn't hanging on a cross and with the little bit of oxygen that he had left, he didn't say, I'm, I'm finished. In fact, if you look at the other gospels, it tells us that he actually said this in a loud cry. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. And he didn't say it in a soft voice. It was a shout of triumph. Jesus was saying, it is done. It is finished. Can I tell you the word that we're looking at tonight? It's not the words of a victim. It's the words of a victor. It's the words of a conqueror. He did the job. He completed the assignment. It is finished. Anybody thankful for that word of victory? What did he complete? What does this mean? It is finished. They were all celebrating. What exactly did Jesus mean? It's profound. It's deeply profound. In the Greek, it's the word tetelestai. Tetelestai. Somebody say that. It's a good word. Tetelestai in the Greek, literally, it's a word that was extremely common. Tetelestai. In fact, in Recent times, they have found old ancient papyrus documents, and all over the documents, they see stamps that say Tetelestai. What did it mean? A lot of those were court papers that said this person has completed their sentence. Some of those were accounting bills that said it has been paid in full. It's a word that they, they would use often. In fact, it's a word that a servant would use. If they were working for somebody, they would go back to the master or to the owner and they'll say, I finished the job. And the master will go look and say, Tetelestai, you finished it, completed. It's a word that a judge would use. If you completed your sentence and you served your time, they would stamp your papers and they'll say, it is done, it is finished, Tetelestai. It's a word that an accountant would use. Some of us would love to hear that word more often. <laughs> Paid in full. It is finished. You don't have to keep paying. It's a word that artists would use if they were building a sculpture or if they were painting. They would call people around the painting and they would literally say, Tetelestai. It is finished. The masterpiece is complete. And it's the word that the priest would use when they were doing a sin offering before the Lord. When they were offering the lamb before God and the sacrifice was finished burning, the priest would come out and say, Tetelestai, it is finished. Jesus, what he's declaring from the cross is that everything that the Father sent him to do, it is now completed. 
It is finished. It is paid in full. He finished the assignment. What we are seeing in John chapter 19 is that the promise of Genesis 2 is now completed all the way in John chapter 19. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the solution. He is the answer. He is the covering. He is the one that we needed. And he finally said, it is finished. He completed the job. What did Jesus do? He completed over 380 prophecies found about him in the Old Testament. All of them done. In fact, right before it is finished, he said, I thirst. And in parentheses, John writes to fulfill scripture. To say, even on the cross, he's saying, I am the Messiah. I'm completing every single prophecy. It is now finished. Because he came to reverse everything that sin had caused since the beginning of time. Let, let's finish this quickly. I know the keys are coming up and we got to take communion and there's another service. <laughs> what, what did sin do? Let's look at the results of sin together. What, what did sin do in our life? Well, sin came into humanity and it caused us, number one, to live separated from our creator. Sin came and it caused a division between the God who created you, the God who made you and I. It has brought now a division because God, yes, he's love, but he's holy and he can't be with sin. And so all of us with our sick sin heart, we can't be in front of holy almighty God. And so sin has caused the barrier between us. Number one, it caused us to live separated. Number two, sin left a guilty stain. On our life when you sin you think I just made a bad choice and I offended God and I'll just keep going but sin actually stains your soul it stains your spirit it's literally what sin comes to do we may not see it with our natural eyes but it's what sin causes and third and finally it causes us to fall short of God's standard and again, some of us can say, well, I'm a pretty good human being. I'm a good neighbor. I think I do a lot of good things in my life. But because of our sick sin heart, we will always fall short of the standard of God. That's what the Bible says. And every single one of us, it says our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. Doesn't matter how much you give to charity. Doesn't matter who you help cross the street. It doesn't matter how good a person you think you are, how sweet, cute, and good looking your selfies come out. All of us fall short of God's standard. And so when Jesus comes and he says, it is finished, he's literally reversing all the results of sin. We'll finish with this. What did he do? Number one, he closed the gap. Somebody say, close the gap. We were separated from God. In fact, can I just share this quickly? In the Old Testament, the only one that can go before God was the priest. The priest needed to live a holy life and he needed to go through a whole ritual before entering what was called the Holy of Holies. If you went inside a temple in ancient times, there was a thick curtain and the curtain would separate where the priest can go in and where the rest of us had to stay out because we're all full of sin. And so the priest would go before God, before us, representing us and would plead on our behalf and offer a sacrifice so that we would be forgiven our sins because we couldn't go before God. We were separated from this holy, almighty God. And we should know that he's holy. 
And I think today's culture, they picture God as this cute little obsessed boyfriend that's obsessed with you. He does love you, but can I tell you, he's holy, he's mighty, he's awesome, he's powerful, and we should respect him. And we should know his standard is high. And when Jesus is on the cross and he's saying, it is finished. What he's doing is this, Mark chapter 15, verses 37 and 38. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and he breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. As Jesus shouts from the cross, the curtain inside the temple was ripped from top to bottom. Jesus is saying, there is no barrier anymore between God and man. Now God doesn't live in temples. He lives with us. Because of Jesus, we have a way to the Father. Because of Jesus, we can go directly before him. It is finished. There is no more division between us and God. That's good news. You don't need a priest anymore to go before God and pray for you. You can talk to your father. The book of Hebrews, which we're going to study later this year. I love the book of Hebrews. Joshua and Hebrews. I love it. This year is going to be awesome. The book of Hebrews, it explains everything that the Old Testament was about. It was pointing to Jesus. Jesus was the curtain. Jesus was the curtain in the Old Testament that now comes in in the New Testament is torn for me and for you. It is finished. Now you can come before the Father. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 and 22. And so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened the new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean number one he closed the gap number two he clean he cleansed the stain he cleansed sin leaves a stain in fact if you look all throughout scripture it literally calls it a crimson stain a red stain what does that mean in the spiritual I don't know <laughs> but sin stains you it causes a blemish in your life it pollutes your spirit. It's literally Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. The Holy Spirit through the prophet Isaiah says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. In other words... God prophetically in the Old Testament is saying, I'm going to wash away your sins. You can't clean it. You can't. The prophet Jeremiah writes and he says, what can clean me? And he gives all these ingredients that they used to wash themselves with. And he says, you can get all the ingredients in the world. It will not remove the blemish of sin. The only one that can do it was the beautiful, perfect blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating tonight. It is finished. Psalm 51 verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Some of us in here. We need that closed gap. We need to get right with our Father tonight. Can I tell you, you're in the right place at the right time. 
Tonight he wants to close that gap. Some of us in here, we need that stain cleansed. I'm a sinner, Father. Oh, purge me, cleanse me. And only your blood can do it. It's what Jesus accomplished on the cross when he said, paid in full. It's done. It is finished. It's completed. The last thing that he did is that he cleared the charges. He cleared the charges. Sin. Sin is us offending God. God is holy and every single time me and you sin, we are occurring, we are amassing a deficit with God. It offends the heart of our Holy Father. And every single time we sin, we are racking up bills against God. And the Bible says that the penalty or the wages, the price of sin is death. Who can pay for their own sins? Nobody can. And so you and I, we had these outstanding bills. And I don't know about you, but one thing I hate is credit card calling and all these bill collectors calling and saying, you owe this much. Would you like to negotiate? I'd like to negotiate for nothing. I ain't paying none of that. That wasn't me. That was my wife who went on a spending free. I'm kidding. But there's nothing worse than having outstanding bills. We had an outstanding bill with God. And Jesus, when he came down and he went up on a cross, he says, I'll take the charges. Don't worry about the bill. I'll pay it. I'll pay it with my blood. I'll pay it with my body. I'll take the account and I'll make it clean. So you owe nothing. We'll finish with this. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Paul writes, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. Look at verse 14. You can underline that, highlight that. Praise God for this. He canceled the record of charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus says, give me your bill, give me your bill, give me your bill. He went up on the cross and he put the bills on the cross and he told every demon, every devil, everything that wants to hold you back. And he said, it is finished. Paid in full. Come on, anybody grateful that he finished the job, that he completed the assignment and that you and I, there's nothing we can do to add to that want us to stand up on our feet there's nothing we could do to add to that today maybe you're trying to win salvation by your own words can I tell you it's not your works it's his work that did it he paid the bill Alex what do I have to do just trust in him trust in Jesus with every eye closed with every head bowed let's pray for a moment it's a beautiful weekend we're celebrating Jesus all weekend I love this weekend but tonight, some of us are in here or watching online and we don't have a relationship with God. Hey, maybe tonight some of us, we're living in the results of our choices. And we're saying, yeah, we've been separated from God. Alex, maybe you're like me. You grew up in church, but you're like the last few years, I've backslid, I walked away. I've made some bad, poor choices. And you feel like you're living far from God and you know you got to get right with God. Some of us in here, you, you know there's a blemish, a stain in your life. You're saying, I've, I've made some choices in my life that has, has caused stains in my family, in my relationships, in my marriage. 
Tonight, I'm living in the result of my sin. Or maybe some of us here, we know there's charges against us. We know that we've sinned so much that we feel like there's, a, there's something we got to do to pay it back. Can I tell you, instead of living in your results, why don't you live in the results that Jesus gave on the cross? He closed the gap. He cleansed the stain. And he cleared the charges. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, come on as we're praying. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to take communion. It's going to be a beautiful night. But before we go, maybe you're here watching online. You're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here. You're saying, I know I'm far from him. I need a relationship with God. I need a brand new beginning. I need a brand new start. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. The Bible says that every single one of us, we're sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And the Bible says that our sin, it separates us from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took the sins of the world. He put them on his shoulders. He went up on a cross and they did not murder him. He laid his life down. And the Bible says that he was broken so that you and I could be made whole. He was ripped open so that you and I could find healing. And he paid the penalty of our sin. The Bible says that Jesus, he died there on that cross because death, that's the price of sin. After he died, they took him down from that cross. They laid him down in a grave and he was in a grave for three days. But on Sunday, Jesus resurrected. And the Bible says that Jesus is alive. And because he defeated sin and death, today you can have life, you can have peace, you can have a brand new beginning, you can have a brand new start in your life, in your mind, in your soul, in your health, in your family, in your relationships, with every eye closed, every head bowed. Can I tell you, it's not another bottle of alcohol that can bring peace, it's not another relationship, it's not a bigger salary. The only one that can save you, his name is Jesus. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. With every eye closed and every head bowed, in a moment of prayer and privacy, I'm going to count to three. If you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I want a brand new beginning today. I'm going to ask you at the count of three to raise your hands. I'm not going to give you a mic. We're not going to single you out. None of that. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on, the rest of us praying. If that's you, can you just raise your hand for a second or two? I want to know who I'm praying for, and then you can put it right back down. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. If you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus tonight. Alex, I need a brand new beginning. Alex, I need healing. God bless you. 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 Awesome. Anybody else, you raise your hand as high as you can. Amazing. If you're watching online, you raise your hand wherever you're watching. You can put your hands back down. Amazing. Let's say this prayer together. In fact, all of us is one big church together. It's one big family. If you're watching online, put it on the chat. Say, I'm, I'm saying this prayer. I need Jesus. I need a brand new beginning. All of us together in one voice. Why don't we pray this together? As one big family, say, Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a praise. Do we have a Bible? Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if you raise your hand, if you made a decision tonight, come on, how good is that to start a relationship with Jesus on Good Friday? That's amazing. If you said that prayer, we would love to give you a free Bible. We have a Connect Tent outside. You're going to see it. It says Connect Tent. And they're not going to ask you for your social security or salary or any of that. Literally, they want to give you a free gift. It's a free gift from us to you. Because of our giving, because all of us give uh, tithes and offerings, we buy thousands of Bibles a year that we give away for free to new Christians, new believers here and in different places of the world. So go pick up your free Bible tonight. It's a free gift. We love you. We're here for you. One more time, give them a big, big hand. Thank you.